Welcome to the Ignite Podcast, the only healthcare marketing podcast that digs into the digital strategies and tactics that help you accelerate growth. Each week, Cardinals experts explore innovative ways to build your digital presence and attract more patients. Buckle up for another episode of Ignite. What's going on, everybody? This is a special, special episode. Special, special, special. I've got Chris Hemphill here, uh, Senior Director of Commercial Intelligence at Wobot Health. So usually we interview marketing directors at multi-site healthcare groups. Today's going to be different. This is different. This is AI tech in the behavioral space, guys. This is the future. And it's really timely because we just had chat GPT um, hit us in the last few weeks. So everybody's wondering where AI is going. Today, we're going to be talking about it, at least in the mental health space. So this is fun. Chris, welcome to Ignite. Uh, thank you, Alex. It is uh, an absolute pleasure to be here. A little bit of uh, background in the healthcare marketing space right now. Like right now, I know everybody's like, well, what does somebody from uh, the behavioral health, digital health side uh, have to say? I do come with uh, uh, like my previous role was uh, in the uh, healthcare marketing analytics space uh, in an applied AI position there. So it's it's just interesting to see the crossover and uh, like be on, be on this digital health side, but still like I, I can't take away the healthcare marketing aspect of my brain. Yeah. So it's, it's just going to be fun to kind of synthesize what's going on in this uh, language-based AI world and then making the relationship to uh, healthcare marketing. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, we're trying to, as healthcare marketers, trying to connect patients with the care they need. So Wobot Health, we'll find out more about that. Helps more patients get care then we win, right? So this is fun and you get to do it all. So Chris, tell us quickly, what is Wobot and where is it trying to be in the market? Replace therapists, what does it do? The basic concept of Wobot is, uh, well, there's a concept called uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, there's others, uh, DPT, IPT, but there's a whole bunch of acronyms that I, I can uh, throw at you. Yeah. But a lot of these therapeutic methods that were uh, developed within the, the past uh, 50, 60 years, uh, a lot of these were, were, were developed in mind of being able to be delivered uh, at home or at the time of the incident of, uh, of need. Uh, think about, like, if uh, I'm having an incident, I'm, ha I'm having a, a, like a spike in anxiety or depression and things like that. If I am to uh, pick up the phone today to, to, to be seen, in many cases, we can be looking at two weeks out, six weeks, 20 weeks, or not even available at all. People having major challenges finding these services. So the, the basic idea is uh, our, our obsession is around access to care. These approaches, uh, Wobot kind of is, is a, a relational agent that you're speaking back and forth. Uh, it's analyzing what you're saying to assess your needs and then send you down the right cognitive behavioral therapy pathway that, that fits your needs. For example, uh, you, you've been playing with Wobot. I have been playing with it. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yes. yes. I love it. I encourage everybody uh, to, yeah. to, to access it, uh, play with it. We won't charge you any money for uh, going on and using Wobot. So please download it. And like the, the, the first thing it asks you is how you're doing or, or what issue it can help you with. Uh, so it's using that to, uh, it's using your response there, which you enter in free text, which free text is obviously gonna be a, a big subject uh, that we're talking about today, which with, with like all, all the generative technologies and things yeah. like that out there. But the the basis is, uh, and, and like our, our company was founded by a uh, clinical psychologist, by uh, someone who's obsessed with the science behind it. So it's using that free text to understand 
are you having an issue with relationships? Are you having an issue with uh, with your family or uh, grief, anxiety, things like that? And then route you down a, uh, a, a CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy pathway, uh, ultimately designed to alleviate your stress. I noticed he was trying, I said, I'm feeling grumpy and anxious. Oh, that's pissed me off or something here at the office. Mm-hmm. And then, and I said, do you notice how you're using uh, extreme words like always and never? I said, yes, I have noticed that. And he said, do you feel like he feels that way about you? And I was like, you know, and I bet he doesn't. And then I felt better. Yeah. Honestly, honestly well, like in my early use of it, because I'm a very cynical person mm-hmm. and I'm like, what? Come on now. But like, when I, when I was talking back and forth and, you know, sometimes you just want to blame other people for, yeah. for the, for the crap that, that's going on. But like you, like you were talking about, robot got you to look at your own thoughts and Definitely. then challenge them. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I, there, there's, there's this other thing that I, 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 here's a stump that I want to stand on for a second is this term self-care. Like uh, when, when, when we hear about self-care on Instagram, there's always like, Oh, buy these tickets to uh, fly out to Europe to this expensive uh, vacation getaway or buy this makeup or anything. That's referred to as self-care. But I think that we should be really be reclaiming that term self-care to mean understand like having the skills and understanding to, to be able to manage your own care at those moments. Because like, why should self-care be associated with how much money you're able to spend on things rather than like developing the skills to, to, to be able to help yourself in a moment? Sure. That makes sense. So, Wobot, was it invented to take the place of therapists? Like, I just need this, I'll do my check-ins, or what is it to replace therapy because we have limited access, or what, like an addendum? Ellie Darcy, who's our, our founder, uh, Athena Robinson, who is uh, our uh, chief clinical officer, that, like, like these, these folks are practicing therapists and clinical yeah. psychologists, and, and that, that's where a lot of our leadership okay. uh, comes from. So, uh, we don't really even believe it's possible for a uh, technology like this to to replace the uh, the therapeutic relationship, uh, a significant number of our users actually uh, are well, like they, they see in person therapy, but they use this as uh, something that uh, as something that's in between yeah. or as kind of like like the fancy <laughs> word is adjunctive. But e- either way, either way, it plays out in the usage because imagine earlier I was talking about the the length, the ridiculous length of time that it can take to even be seen. I didn't even mention the costs and things like that that prevent access. But imagine a world in which access problem is solved, you can be seen within three or four days. Still, still, there would be a place for for this this technology uh, based on the fact that our usage, about 74% of our usage happens outside of the hours that a clinic would be open. The longest conversations uh, that people have with Wobot are around two in the morning. So even with human therapy resources available, there's still a need for some people, you know, there, there, there are people that are a good fit for for the tool and other people that probably wouldn't uh, uh, wouldn't be as good fit. Yeah. But for, for that group of people, there's there's still that need because of the, just the way that it can be delivered at any time. And it's so crazy. I mean, we can now, AI can synthesize voices. Uh, Chris was mentioning just three seconds of audio. There's some tool out there that can come up with your voice. Just last week, uh, Microsoft released, uh, and like, I think they, it's still internal. I don't think that I can go uh, access Volley right now, fortunately. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a tech called Volley that, uh, yeah, with, with just three seconds of your recorded voice, not even at a pristine quality, uh, it can then uh, synthesize a fairly 
convincing yeah. uh, replica. Not uh, the like, like I was listening to the voices and then you could tell yeah. there was like audio quality Super issues hot. and stuff like that. But uh, like, imagine as they iterate on that technology. Yeah. So my therapist, Veronica, the best, obviously, you can tell I've kept it all together here for the last 14 years. Um, she's awesome. She could record her voice. And then Wobot could eventually call you, I would assume, and say, Alex, how are you feeling? I'm like, no, I'm not feeling too well. Like, I mean, is that where y'all want to take it? No. No? I, 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 haven't, I haven't talked to anybody about this, but it, it just gives me a, a, a no in the chest right here. Because we were we were just outside, we were just talking about uh, this this case called uh, this company called Coco. Sorry, Coco, you're on blast right now. But uh, what what they did was uh, they're kind of like they're they're a chat technology that allows you to like say that you're having a problem with your grief or anxiety, and you uh, talk to this chat program. It's a peer uh, a peer peer source. Uh, help. So they'll send it out to a network of uh, people on Discord. Which I, uh, spooky, but they'll they'll send it send, uh, send it out to that network of people, and uh, then those people will start replying back, and you rate the responses. Like, did this help you? Uh, like, hey, here's your response. Did it did it help you feel better? Great. So what Coco started to do was they took the messages that were coming in, rather than sending them well, like uh, along with sending them out to, to humans, but like they they. Inter they introduced chat GPT in the process. Uh, but what they didn't tell, uh, what they didn't tell the users was that the uh, people responding were potentially using chat GPT to, uh, to generate the response. So what happened with that was as users learned that their, that, that their response actually, uh, what was generated or inspired by the AI, they significantly dropped their ratings. Like they, 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 felt that they're, well, they didn't know that their data was going to be sent in that way. And knowing that the response came from the AI made it feel uh, less authentic, well, authentic that, like they had been being had. Using robot, I know you haven't uh, been using it for a super long time or anything like that, but one thing that, you, that you'll that you notice is Wobot is always talking about things like, oh, my, my gears are grinding on this. Like it's, it's always jokingly reminding you who it is. You're, you're talking to an AI. There's only so much that an AI can do. There's there's limitations there. So uh, as humans, we are rightfully distrustful of like if if if, if, if somebody is trying to deceive us into well, like an AI is trying to deceive us into, into thinking we're human. So sidestep that. The ethical uh, the, the ethical approach to an AI delivered therapy is to remind the user of the limitations of this thing. Like, it, like we can't do everything that a human can do, uh, but hey, uh, right now, maybe I can help yeah. you with your thoughts. I'll say this to, to Coco's defense or to the defense of AI, the users thought the responses were valuable before they knew they were robots or chat GPT. That means it can work. Yeah, yeah, so uh, that like, Honestly, I, I, I uh, sat back. Ethically, we should tell the user, but yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Imagine if they had been upfront with those users. Imagine if uh, if they said, "Hey, uh, we're, we're uh, doing an AI-assisted therapy approach to help our uh, people who uh, you know it's peer peer source. So you don't necessarily know the quality that you're getting." Like, imagine that they were upfront with their users and said, "Would you like to uh, to go forward with this?" It creates a whole different perspective when you know what you're walking into when the trust is already established there. So I, I really think that, look, like, look, again, the the messaging and everything like that, uh, like people responded positively to it. 
gosh, if, if only they had done it like with the proper ethical framework in play, we're talking about growing trust rather than diminishing it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's those kind of plays that screw up the rope, the AI game for everybody. And they make it hard for the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a robot. They did the like, yeah. And healthcare marketers, like we help market a ton of behavioral groups, right? How do we need to look at this? Like, so is it like, a, are you going after the same demographic? Are we going after it with different messaging? I'm kind of wondering, where do you see healthcare marketing going? What are we as healthcare marketers going to need to diverge on to get people exposed to? I'm trying to think of what bobbles my client, what I would do differently than life stance as actual clinics and therapists. Like, where do you see this going? So let's uh, help me uh, dig a little bit deeper into because uh, I have some thoughts on like coming from the healthcare marketing background. I clearly have some thoughts on uh, what like what that relationship looks like. Can you tell me? Could, could you uh, just go a little bit deeper into like? what you're asking about the uh yeah i'm wondering how well bot markets itself because right now we take out google ads and seo when someone types in therapist near me we want to show up what is wobot how do they get clients gosh that, that so that, that's a really good question so um from the consumer perspective uh this this was something that was really surprising to me was when, when i came into the company uh there were about 1.4 million people who have uh found wobot mainly through things like the app store. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's not, we don't invest a huge amount of uh, money into uh, consumer marketing, except that if you take some designers words, if the product is so effective and works so well that people talk about it and recommend to others, then your investment in product is an investment in marketing. So there, there's a big amount of uh, mm -hmm. investment that goes in, into the product side. Uh, into the, um, the like on, on the enterprise and commercial side, uh, like the, the, like there's a lot of the like I mean, we know who the the major health systems and insurers and things. Is like that, that who the main client is? You're trying to get after the insurance company, the payers, so that they offer incentives for people. Who who's the client? The cl the the client uh, tends to be health systems and uh, payers, uh, or even like the combination pay providers and, and things like that that are focused on like if you, if you think about it uh you know like having access to a tool that can deliver care help you out in a time of need like like if you're in a fee-for-service model it's 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 different like in a fee-for-service model where you're trying to acquire like as, as many services over and over uh, as possible it's not necessarily uh for that but it, it's more so right now uh more so for for those organizations especially value-based care is that the value-based care where you want to reduce readmissions and stuff like that so the health systems are giving this out to anybody that's been in for any behavioral or mental health challenge to, in hopes that this... We can even go uh, a little bit deeper than that because uh, like knowing that there's that shortage of uh, behavioral therapists yeah. and uh, the amount of time to even be seen for behavioral care, uh, you were asking about the, tr the, the biggest trends a little bit earlier. The acronym that I'm going to throw out today is uh, BHI, Behavioral Health Integration. It's recognizing that behavioral health needs and like, like going unmet, they are associated with much higher costs in other areas. Like as, as we're, uh, as we fall down, I'll just use an example of uh, depression. If we're uh, depressed, then uh, we're, we're like, like let, let's say you're, you're depressed and you're also diabetic. Well, having some of those symptoms makes you less likely to uh, take the, uh, the treatments and things like that, that you need to manage the diabetes and that cost curve bends in very much the wrong way. The earlier that we can help address those those mental health needs. The That's wild. So they're giving it to patients of all kinds. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because like, like I can't like, I have a problem. My uh, primary care provider is not a trained therapist, so they don't necessarily know mm-hmm. what to do about uh, about some of these problems. So it gives a way for like rather than uh, these needs going ignored or like given a referral that never that never gets filled. Yeah, it gives something uh, to primary care physicians to uh, be, be able to help address their and, and do this. And does the PCP say this is an in the meantime thing? Go get help from a therapist. This is in the meantime, Matt, that can help you with some of these things right now. Help you get care right now. So is that the positioning or? I like that question because I'm thinking like, well, we, we, sh- we should come up with uh, some kind of scripting to help with how they deliver that recommendation. So yeah. So they need some kind of delivery. And then it's like training the provider on when to bring it up, how to bring it up. Yes. Yeah. So th- th- that's that's where we see a lot of success is uh, God, I, I personally just love talking to physicians. Uh, my, my partner is actually an OB-GYN. Cool. Uh, but uh, it, like the, the, the reason I, I like having those conversations with, with physicians is they don't want to recommend something that's going to uh, do their, their patient harm. Like the fact that they have that, that much closer connection with that patient and they have the, the most serious questions about the, the way the science uh, behind it works. Uh, that's like when, when you can break through, and I, I'm saying this for all the people out there that have challenges uh, with their physicians adopting digital health platforms. Once you, you, you work on that science and, and explain it in a way, in a, in a way that, that breaks through, then you, then you drive that adoption. Sorry, it's just like a little tangent. There. No, I'm thinking because we have a GI plan. We'll say who it is. But initially, they had terrible reviews when we went and met with them. And I said, why are the reviews for this practice so bad? It seems like a good practice. And they said, strangely enough, your gut is tied to your, like, the emotional state part in your brain. So often the GI practices have tons of bad reviews because people are kind of stuff. There's something mentally unstable for wow. them. This is the clients that have the stomach issues. This would have been a perfect tool for them at a GI practice. So I can see that things go hand in hand. I, I see somebody use. Okay. Where do you see digital health platforms evolving from here? Where does Wellbot want to go next? What do you see as the next big evolution? Can a derm group use this? I can send this weird shit I have around my eyes, take a picture, step into some derm digital health platform. Where's this going? You know, uh, there, there are a lot of uh, people that, that play in the space of uh, being able to get whatever kind of like analytics you can off your phone. With these high quality cameras that we have that, that, that can pick up all, all kinds of nuance. Like when I was presented with these technologies back in uh, 2015, my eyes couldn't roll far enough out of my head because of the results that weren't there, the, the yeah. stuff didn't work. Uh, but um, I was just at Health this past uh, November the health conference in, in uh, Nevada. And uh, gosh, I, I, again, I said I'm a very cynical person. I walked into the thing yeah. uh, cynical, but then when I saw, uh, I, I met up with a, uh, a, uh, with a physician who was also going around touring, making the rounds and uh, looking at some of these, like uh, these, these biological inspector things. And like his excitement was palpable about it. So. It just made me think maybe maybe something to it if the providers are excited about it. Yeah, if, provi- if providers are excited about it, uh, like you know, without me going through all that uh, rigor and science, getting a med degree myself. Yeah. Uh, like some sometimes I, I think that that's a good good thing to 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 look at as a as a look ahead of what yeah. might actually be working. And digital health as a whole, um, right now I, I'm. I'm I'm, I'm going to speak more from a uh, hope perspective mm-hmm. is that uh, we know that that funds are uh, harder to acquire right now. Yeah. Like uh, the, 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 the well is drying up for, for all sorts of companies. But um, what I'm hoping for 
is that like as a result of these uh, funds drying up, rather than investments and things like that being based on revenue, yeah, as well, so. well being, rather than it being based on like a very light understanding of what uh, what someone's doing, like I really hope that uh, VCs get more get really responsible with their dollars, uh, get deeper into the, the the science behind how some of these things work, and uh, we can just get more checks and balances, more quality investment in organizations that are obsessed with the science. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm all about it. I mean, this what this showed me how much med tech can do. You know, tracking all your, it can tell you atrial fibrillation, all that stuff. I think the best way that we're going to be able to prevent cancers and stuff, there was a, something came out in a recent conference. I don't know if it's that one, but it's uh, something that sits in your toilet and it does your analysis every time you go pee, right? I can't, think it's, but, like, I can't believe how excitedly I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but think about it. It can detect whether your T-cell, all these different cells are spiking. So if you're going to, if you have, or if you're showing early signs of cancer or something like that, like I think MedTech is going to be huge. So I see my wife scrolling every night and, uh, and I'm like, what are you doing, baby? And she's on TikTok. And just like going through different things and the algorithm, I guess, is so good that it serves her up ads, but I don't really get it. But it seems like with shit showing up at our door every day that I didn't go on an Amazon and purchase, she's getting influenced by TikTok and everything like that. Is there any place for social ad platforms in the mental health space? Is there any place for advice from TikTok? It sounds crazy. I don't know. Ooh, ooh the emphasis, the emphasis on that word advice. Whoa. Um, I'll say this. I'll say this. What did Ariel say? She said, I'm going to go where the people are. Uh, so we have to, uh, the, uh, when it comes to these platforms, we have to understand how to reach people in a way that is uh, safe and effective. Because uh, you, you said the A word, advice, is the A word. Um, and if people are uh, going to these platforms and credible sources aren't there, then who does that leave the door open to speak, uh, speak to them? So it, uh, overall, I, I really think that... Uh, that we have to be there, uh, that, that credible voices have to be there to drown out the wave of uh, disinformation that people would otherwise get. And um, we can see that there's a major potential for that disinformation to, to uh, do harm. I could see a lot of mental health providers being above it. And you're saying, no, you should dive in because everyone else, you know who's going to be there? Alex with no therapy degree and no training. He's going to be there. Because why would that why would that content get millions of views and likes if if other than it's some, something that people want to hear? It, it taps into like think about if you're in your 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 uh, mid thirties or uh, late twenties or what have you, and um, you've been having issues all your life, or there, there's just been challenges that uh, uh, that you've had, and, and there was nothing to put a name to it. Well, it's a very powerful effect if uh, so, if someone is putting a name to it. And, uh, you know, that, that same thing where we were talking about how chat GPT was delivering these messages in yeah. a way that, that was convincing to people. I always want like, like it proves that the power is there. Mm -hmm. So who wields that power? Yeah. Scary, scary, scary. Mm -hmm. uh, as someone in his almost 40s, I just think of Terminator all of the time. And we're inching closer to them becoming self-aware. <laughs> this makes me very nervous. You're in the business, so I assume you're excited about where AI is taking healthcare. Anything you're really excited about the near future that we haven't talked about yet? Yeah, well, well like we, we have, we, we've kind of talked about it. Like when, when we talk about chat GPT, the, the reason you, you don't hear, see me saying very much about chat GPT on social media, like, like a lot less than you would expect. And the reason for that is like, I, I feel like uh, 
like I'm I appreciate how it's opened up the imagination. I appreciate how it has shown people uh, and this goes for not just the ability to generate this uh, speech, but also the the, the image generation uh, technology. There's a mid, mid journey in Bali. Now we talk about Bali, voice yeah. synthesis and stuff like that. So people are, are thinking on a much bigger scale of uh, of what's possible. So now what the the, the age that I'm hoping for uh, over the, over the next short term is the uh, chat GPT alternatives, the people that are thinking from uh, different perspectives than just language models, the people that are thinking about, well, how can we use these uh, th these technologies in a way that, that is safe and, and we communicate effectively. So it, it's um, like, now that, like, like now the doors are open, honestly, uh, we, we know that, look, I, I got hit up on LinkedIn for some, uh, conversation with an investor about uh about this stuff so there, there's there's a lot of interest that's happening yeah and like i, I the, the, my biggest hope is that uh there are some lot like really strong-hearted ethical players that that, that get into uh, that, that get into this and uh you know start start thinking about things that are are useful and, and helpful mm -hmm. For uh, populations in all kinds of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This now, is just the begin. You think it's just this the beginning? Yeah, I, I, uh, we're we're at an early phase, and uh, when like when we when, when I think about like the the usefulness of, of Chat GPT and all that, like there, there's there's some that look. I'm really excited actually by its ability to uh, summarize uh, text and th and things like that. The generation capabilities. Um, um, like again, it looks very cool and all that. But uh, there, there's a lot of work that would need to be happen, uh, need to happen, and there, there would be, like, ultimately, there needs to be some sort of uh, ground truth. Like, it's predicting the next word, but it doesn't have any concept of what a ground truth is. Uh, so, like, when when we're thinking about the types of approaches that that would work on the fly in healthcare, I would say that we're we're pretty far. Yeah. But uh, like, the door is open to at least start thinking about what the path to get there looks like. Yeah. It's also just like regurgitating what's out there, and so it's like I think the place for humans is still in original and unique content. You're not gonna be able to get by with just regurgitated normal blog posts that you know just have a different spin as someone else. Like. You're going to have to come up with something original that is like provider and clinically informed. ChatGPT can't do that. Yeah, and we could, let's take it to uh, cooking because my, my first request with okay. ChatGPT, like this is a real hardcore test, is uh, how do you make a French omelet? So when it responded, it gave me a recipe and I was like, that's not, not right. Not enough butter. What did it do? It just went to Google. What does it do? It goes to Google and just searches for... It doesn't go to Google. Here's here's what is it doing? So if you if you want like a really freaky uh, way to start thinking about this technology, think about uh, like when you're using your phone and you're you're typing and it's uh, predicting the next word that that you're likely mm -hmm. to say. Uh, think about uh, like think about it from that context, and then whenever you ask it a question, think about how ChatGPT would have been able to answer that question only by looking at a whole bunch of documents and then making a prediction about what the mo what the next word is most likely to be. Such as, if you uh, ask ChatGPT what is four times four, and it responds with uh, 16, you think, like, the initial feeling is like, oh, wow, this thing is doing math. But it's not doing the type, it's, it's not taking four and adding it four times. What it's actually doing is looking at where these occurrences, like, like within this body of text that it's trained on, uh, based on the position of 
four X and four, what came the, the next most frequently uh, is it's using, it's using, this is a language approach to uh, approximating math. It didn't know the answer. It didn't calculate it. There's no calculator that, uh, happening other than what's the most likely next word based on the previous well, word. Well, where does it get, like, it's historical information. Who was feeding, where was it fed from? It was trained on, uh, see, here, here's another, uh, another thing, another hope of mine uh, within this is, like, I couldn't tell you the exact corpus of uh, data that, that, open, that, that, that OpenAI used, but it was basically trained on data they found on the internet in various yeah. places up to, up to 2021. Yeah. Really? That's what it is. So it did use the internet, every website out there. Yeah. It, it, it used it up to 2021. Okay. Like, I don't know which website's out there, but it used a, a good chunk. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the real point I was just making was that it's not going and searching like Google for, for those answers. It's, it's, it's just May, it's it's looking at is it's predicting the next most confidently used next word. Yeah, yeah, that. Mo yeah, and, and there, there's of course like it, but there were lots of French omelet recipes out there. Mm -hmm. How did it know which one to give you? It knew which one not to give me. Right? It gave me the wrong one. Like if it, all <laughs> it's not enough butter, chat. Yeah. If only the uh, AI was uh, trained on uh, recipes from the South and yeah. Chef John, then it would have been much more accurate to my use case. <laughs> It has limitations. As marketers are kind of nervous of where this is going, the algorithms are getting really smart. They can write, they can design, and they can speak now. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's left for us. I think we're gonna be the strategist. I think we're gonna fly the ship, and I don't think we're gonna do work because I think all these algorithms and AI are gonna be able to do a lot of work. If you start thinking of uh, thinking of from that context of like, how did it know this by predicting the, ne the, the next word, then like, you know, it, it's it's a little bit of a Wizard of Oz effect. Like, oh, okay, so the, the, like that that's the magic behind it. Yeah. Um, and then on the other side, on the other side, think about this. Think about if uh, you got a uh, communication uh, from your health provider about uh, like needing to come in for a particular. I, I don't know how much how most messages are, are, are formed and all that, but on the on the other side of this text generation speech is all uh, uh, text generation paradigm is uh like the idea of well now people want to know what text is what was procedurally generated versus what uh came from a human mm -hmm. so uh at the same time you have these generative algorithms you also have these other algorithms that give you the probability that it was uh generated by a chat gpt versus uh versus human made so imagine you're uh, like a, your, your email platform kind of adjusts for that and it tells you the likelihood that a human developed that. And uh, you get a communication from your healthcare provider and your email system tells you that it's not human. So the, uh, it, it, it strikes me that there are ways to do this without copy pasting out yeah. from ChatGPT. Yeah. Uh, so like effective ways, like um, instead of uh, writing an article on the need for uh, dialysis, uh, instead, Ask chat like what are the steps that you would take to write an article on on dialysis, and then that would be yeah. creativity rather than copy pasting from an output. Got it. Yeah, you need a heavily revised Chat GPT response. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Man, this is crazy. This is just a crazy time to be recording this. 
What and for Wobot, what is the next big step they're looking to take? I don't know if it's public knowledge. Anything that's public knowledge or okay to share. Where do they want to take it next? It looked like it had tools, relationships, everything else in there. It helps you go through CPT and D and uh, the other one, D, IPT, IPT, whatever it yeah. is. Where do they want to take it next? Uh, well, like, it's it's really just a matter of understanding where the technologies are and like maybe catch a hint of it from the fact that I said I was hoping to see different approaches like we, we have that chat GPT and, and their approach but really I'm looking to see who is going to do something that is uh, clinical grade uh, because if if you get to that perspective and, and you know with Microsoft making that large investment in, in open AI that that, uh, that that could be uh, something to take seriously but overall it, it's like when, when we're talking about healthcare and we're talking about something that like you're talking about delivering right at the point of care, there needs to be a whole lot more standards and a whole lot more ground yeah. truth than, yeah. than, than what's happening today. So yeah. it's really uh, like assessing, keeping, keeping an eye out on what's out there, looking beyond just the, uh, like looking beyond any use case that is like, uh, something that like we don't want we don't want that chat gpt style uh just immediate response where it's again just predicting the most likely next word yeah like that, that that's not effective for for uh for uh someone's health there so um it, it's it, it's just looking at the different diff yeah ways something that's clinical grade and well thought out and pragmatic yeah and, and in terms of privacy and security as well because uh yeah it, uh, the the way that you would like if you're developing that using open ai right now that requires sending data to them. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that's kind of, yeah, that goes against our philosophy. Yeah. So this guy, Alex, uh, <laughs> <laughs> see, we've What's got going on there? Yeah, I don't know. Somebody call Atlanta. Um, Chris, any other big things where you see the near future heading in digital AI, health platforms, digital health platforms, anything else you want listeners to ask? Alex, didn't we talk on enough? I mean, wow. Like, I got enough know. big things happening. I'm kidding. Kidding. But I, here's what the, the main thing that I'm going to say, and I think it applies to everybody, is that nothing is inevitable. Like there, there's there's nothing that is that is happening right now that like we say AI, but uh, like part of how even this this latest uh, algorithm is trained, uh, there's a like you you have yeah they took a big chunk of the internet and uh, developed some predictive modeling based on it. But there's also a technology called oh an, an approach called reinforcement learning with human feedback that occurred. So they got a bunch of people to, to evaluate the responses that were coming out of, uh, of the approach, and they uh, tailored the system to match what would be more likely to, to get that positive response from human. So there are people involved in every step of this process. And even if you tell ChatGPT to uh, generate some body of text, that is still a, that, that's, that's a human synthesized thing. So I, I just I like to remind people that the right things don't happen and that, that we, we don't move in the right directions without the right people focusing on the right thing, looking for ethical uh, approaches to do this. I'm not with Coco, you know? Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that, that that's the, the main thing I want to make. Exactly. Cool. Nothing is inevitable. Nothing is inevitable. That's good. Chris. This has been a ton of fun. We got to talk about something I don't get to talk about, which is digital health, digital AI. I got to play around on the app and see its use and stuff. This is really cool. Obviously, there's some kind of bridge that's going to happen between human therapy and AI-assisted therapy, AI-assisted healthcare in general to bridge kind of the gap. 
I think if you're a provider, this is an exciting time to be in. If you're a provider that was looking to get out of providing, this is a good time to get out because <laughs> this is going to be a whole ton of shit is about to change in the next 10 years. How you provide care, how quickly patients can get care. This is going to be really fun time to be in healthcare, really fun time to be in healthcare marketing and only the most innovative, I think, will survive in both instances. Chris, thanks for joining us on Ignite. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate the message and the energy that you're delivering to. Um, hopefully it, it's falling on good ears. I, I, I'd love to see this, uh, see y'all push, push through. Yeah, thanks, man. Lots of Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of Ignite. Interested in keeping up with the latest trends in healthcare marketing? Subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review. For more healthcare marketing tips, visit our blog at cardinaldigitalmarketing.com.